Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! Life Boy presents The Adventures of Philo Vance, starring Jose Ferrer. In the good old summertime, in the good old summertime, she's your tootsie wootsie in the good old summertime. Happy Lane. On a night like this, Vance, no Washington assignment for me, no ridiculous detecting for you. Oh, I love it. In all the realm of crime and crime detection, in all the history of murder, mystery, intrigue, the master of them all, Philo Vance. Tonight, the case of strange music. But first... When it's hot and sticky and muggy, you'd probably like nothing better than to whip off your clothes and hop right into a mountain lake or the surf at the seashore. Well, if you can't do that, try the next best thing, a swelled tub or shower with thoroughly refreshing Life Boy. You'll find that Life Boy's grand, rich lather is cooling, exhilarating, and makes you feel fine. You'll feel extra clean, too, because you're Life Boy clean. And Life Boy in your daily bath means you're safe from... Life Boy is the only soap that's especially made to stop B.O. Life Boy gives double protection, all-over protection and lasting protection. Use Life Boy and you'll come out of that bath saying, Ah, oh, I feel great. Be popular. Use Life Boy. Tonight, the case of strange music. At the moment, Philo Vance and his friend, Lane Randall, are driving back to town after a dinner in the country, and Vance says... Not a care in the world. What, Vance? Nothing. I just said it's a beautiful night. I've had a good dinner. Curry will have a cold bottle waiting. I haven't a care in the world. Darling, how stuffy. A cold bottle indeed. Where did you pick up that expression? Oh, in the book, if you must know. Certain types of men invariably take their fair ladies back to their apartments for cold bottles and birds. Something like that. Just what types of men, may I ask? Amorous ones. Oh. Well, what's the matter? Don't you think I care, Lane? Really care? About your stomach, the way you sound. Oh, Vance, look! Where? There, it's a carnival. Oh, and a Ferris wheel. Oh, Vance. Well, I haven't been to a carnival in ages. And a merry-go-round. Oh, Vance, let's stop, please. <laughs> Idiot. You'd love it, too. You know you would. Well, come on, then. Only remember, I was all for that cold bird. Peanuts. <laughs> oh, don't they smell wonderful? Yes, I know. Boy, large bag, please, for my, uh, my little girl. <laughs> uh, Lane, dear, the car's back this way. Vance, a wax museum. Here we go again. What wax museum? Right there, see? The bloodiest crimes in history recreated before your very eyes, 25 cents. Oh, golly. 
golly. This we've got to see. Oh, mister. I wonder if Van Johnson has this trouble. Two tickets, please. Me and my gentleman friend, we want to see the bloody crime. What your gentleman friend wants, Lane, is something... Oh, don't be unromantic, darling. Come on. Remember that one, Lane? The Snyder Gray murder case? Don't they look real? Oh, here's Dillinger over here. See, he was coming out of a theater in Chicago when they got him. Oh, and look in this case. Vance, it's a... Oh! Lane. That, that man, he... He's real. You're a complete idiot. Look, Lane, it's wax, just like all the rest. Oh. Well, it gave me a shock. Funny. For a moment, I could have sworn... You've had too much pink lemonade, lady. Let's go, shall we? Where's the car? Over to the right, I... Oh, excuse me, please. Oh, no. Help me, please. That's that good. My ankle. I've turned my ankle. She's going to faint. Here, miss, here. Thank you. I... Take it easy. Just lean on me a moment. Lane. Are you all right? Yes, thank you. I didn't mean to faint. I turned my ankle. It's quite all right. Perhaps we can find a bench of some sort. I... Francis? Francis, come here. I can't, Bertram. My ankle. I've turned my ankle. Nonsense. Come along, I say. And we were getting back. I can't. I tell you, I can't walk. Francis. I'm afraid the lady's right, sir. She did turn her ankle. And I'll take care of her, thank you. Give me your arm, Francis. No. I'm certainly not going to carry you all the way back to the house. Never mind, Bertram. I'll get there alone. You little fool. Must you make a scene every time we go out of the house? Give me your arm. That will do, sir. If you won't carry me, Bertram, I'm sure this gentleman will. What? Do you mind, dear? Francis, I warn you. Would you mind, Mr... Uh, Vance. Philo Vance. Mr. Vance, we live just through the field beyond here. Why? Newberry is my name. Mrs. Bertram Newberry. And this is my husband. How do you do? Francis, I demand that you stop this display and come home. Get away from this man. Yeah. Will you, sir? Uh, Mr. Vance, really, I, I can't make it alone. I'd be delighted. You don't mind, Lane? Oh, no, Vance. If you like, I'll walk in front of you with trumpets. And you, Mr. Newberry? Go on, go on. I warn you, Francis, someday you'll go too far. There we are. Now we'll just put you down in this porch chair, Mr. Newbury. You're so kind, Mr. Vance. Oh, think nothing of it. Lame. I'm sorry if your husband was disturbed, Mrs. Newbury. If you like, I'll try to explain that you did turn your ankle. Oh, don't bother, please. He's gone in the house now. He'll just sulk for a few hours. Let him. I see. Could I offer you a drink? You've been so kind. We should go, Vance. It must be quite late. It's exactly five minutes to ten. Oh, Ed, dear, I didn't know you were on the porch. I won't be for long, Aunt Francis. I'm waiting for a program on the radio. Oh, excuse me. This is my nephew, Mr. Newberry, Mr. Vance. Newberry, yeah. Oh, my dear, I'm so sorry. I didn't quite get your name. Mud. I beg your pardon? Uh, Miss Randall. Uh, Miss Randall? How nice. Fine, thank you. On the porch, Tom. I saw Bert going to the library. Tom, dear, these very nice people carried me home from that horrible carnival. Carried you? Well, what do you... Uh, Mrs. Newbury has a turned ankle. Oh, I see. He made you go, did he, Fran? It was easier to humor him. He insisted that we walk down there. His little joke. I see. Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Randall. Mr. Randall. Mr. Vance, Mr. Ronlander. How do you do? Mr. Ronlander lives on the next estate, our neighbor. Ha-ha. <laughs> I didn't see you, Ed. Is that so unusual? Ed, dear, please. I have my car in the drive. Can I drop you people? Oh, thank you, no. We're parked just through the field. Ready, Lane? I am, Ben. 
You must forgive my husband's behavior, Mr. Vance. He has a rather strange sense of humor. Oh. His money went to his head. Ed, you mustn't. It's true, isn't it? He enjoys his little joke, Mr. Vance, like tonight. It amused him to make me dress up just to go to a country carnival. He insisted that I wear an orchid. It's a very beautiful orchid. My husband and I don't go out socially, you see. Tonight was his way of showing me a good time. He got quite a kick out of it. A friend, no. I didn't mind, Tom. Anything to... Oh, but really, this is most discourteous. I... I shouldn't be talking this way at all. Why not? Is there anybody who doesn't know? Why not put it in the papers, Aunt Fran, and add, Bertram Newberry spends a dime. Edward, that will do. Nicely, I think. Well, I'm going to my room. It's 10 o'clock. At least Uncle Bertram won't have to pay for the radio. It's free. Really, I'm so embarrassed. If you'll let me ring for a drink, I... I'll get them, Fran. Uh, no, really, we are going... Take the path down by the river, Mr. Vance. What? It's a little longer, but it's pleasanter walking. Why, I... Good evening, Bert. I suggest you go now, Mr. Vance. Get out. All of you. Get out of my house. Vance. Right. Lane, uh, this is our exit line. Good night. It was nice to meet you. Well. Chummy, aren't they? Oh, come on. He was right about the path by the river. Mm, look at the moon. Of all the neurotic, mixed up, unbelievable. Oh, come now, Lane. Don't be so shocked. You've seen family skeletons before. Never such naked ones. Why, they don't care what they say or who knows it. Mm, money, darling. It makes you that way sometimes. Oh. What's the matter? Blue something? One of my gloves. My good white ones, too. What, do you want me to go back? Not on your life. Besides, I'm almost sure I dropped it in that wax museum. I remember putting them in my purse in there. Well, we'll stop and inquire. Vance. Yes? Am I crazy, or do I hear music? What? Wait. Listen to me. Why, it's coming from the Newbury house. An organ, isn't it? Oh, gives me the shivers. Just listen to it. Strange. Strange music. Mournful. <laughs> we will be, too, in a minute. Uh, still want to see about your glove? Uh, if you don't mind, Vance. They're so darn hard to get these days. Isn't it odd what meeting people like that will do? Gosh, we had so much fun at this carnival an hour ago. Now it seems almost sordid. I'll ask about the glove. Uh, what was it? Why, kid. Okay, kid. <sighs> I suppose it is silly to worry about people like that. Suppose. Oh, I don't suppose anything. Have they found it? No, but for 50 cents we can go into the museum and look for ourselves. But didn't you tell him that we were... I didn't argue, Lane. It's easier to buy the tickets and look. Come on. Well, it won't be there now, I'm sure. I don't even want to look at the exhibit. Not now. Yeah, Snyder and Gray haven't changed any. I'm his Dillinger. Look for my glove, silly. We've seen the exhibit. It's amazing how they can take wax and... Lane. Did you find it? Lane, in that exhibit. That body is real. Oh, no, you don't. I bit once, darling, but not Lane, again. I'm serious. Look. Good Lord. Vance. It's... Right, Lane. That's Bertram Newbury's body. Bertram Newbury, his body, part of an exhibit in a wax museum... We'll return in just a moment with more of the case of strange music. But first... 
My old friend, the Life Boy Foghorn. You don't scare me. I'm taking a Life Boy bath right now. I used to say to myself, what's wrong with me? No dates, no friends. And I couldn't imagine why. Didn't dream I had B.O. Oh, what a fool I was. But I always feel safe now with Life Boy in my daily bath. I just love my bath with Life Boy. Such mild and gentle lather. It really is divine. I just love my bath with Life Boy. So smoothing and refreshing. It makes me feel fine. I'll be fresh and dainty. No matter where I go, cause my life boy bath really stops B.O. You try life boy. It's swell. And now, back to the adventures of Philo Vance. You came out fast enough, John. You remember Lane, of course. Lane, the district attorney. Of course I do. How are you, John? Well, not too happy, Lane. I just bit a small slam when Vance's call came in. Well, where are they, Vance? Inside? Well, I suggested they stay in the library. As soon as I found a patrolman to remain with the body down at the carnival, Lane and I came back here to the house. Yeah. Who was here? All of them. Francis, the wife, Ed Newbury, he's a nephew, and Tom Rhinelander. Who is, to put it delicately, interested in Mrs. Newbury. I see. Any ideas, Vance? Oh, I'm full of them, John. Care to hear? I would. Well, down in the wax museum, we have a body. The body stabbed in the back and placed in an exhibit. Fifteen minutes before it was placed in that case, that body told us to get the blazers off this porch. Which we did. Uh, go on. Inside, three people. A wife who was quite obviously put up with a lot from the old boy. And who loves her neighbor. <laughs> Tricky, darling. Thank you. Number two, a disgruntled nephew who apparently had nothing to do in life but wait for the reading of his uncle's will. Money. Bertram's money seems to be Edward's big interest. And finally, the boy next door. Uh, he's got money, incidentally. I know the name. Well, he's rather pleasant, John. We had a little talk while you were on your way. Oh, then you questioned him. And two at the house. Vance has been playing detective like mad, John. Oh, thanks for the playing, Lane. Well, Vance, who, what, why? Well, frankly, John, I'm not sure. Not sure at all. What about the servant? Oh, all accounted for. Uh, let's go in, shall we? Lane and Mrs. Newbury were hitting it off so well earlier this evening... Maybe there's a chance for a beautiful friendship. All right, son, what's your story? I could write a book. Well, you might have to. You admit the knife in your uncle's back belonged to you? Look, I went all through this with him. Sure, it's my knife. I use it fishing. And you left it where, Ed? In my room, I told you. It was in my fishing box. I saw it there this morning. May I cut in? Sure, go right ahead. When you left us on the porch this evening, Ed, you announced that it was 10 o'clock. Remember, Van? Vividly. And we found your uncle's body down at the Wax Museum at 10.20, so it's simple. Account for those 20 minutes and you haven't anything to worry about. Can you account for them, son? I, uh... I was listening to the radio. Alone? In my room. I was alone. Hmm. That's not a very good accounting, boy. Look here, That I'm... will do. Send in Mr. Rhinelander, please. And don't leave this house. I'll warn you again. Yeah. Tough, isn't he? His knife, his money when Newbury dies. That's a familiar story, then. But the fingerprints on the knife were not a man's. The sergeant was sure of that. Easy enough. Ed got Francis to handle the knife, then preserved her prints by using a handkerchief. A very old trick. Then they are her prints, John? He checked. They're hers, all right. They match with everything in her room. 
In my room? Oh, come in, come in. Come in. I didn't hear you. Thank you. It's after midnight. I was just wondering, is it entirely out of order if I have some food prepared? Now, see here, Mrs. Newberry. Oh, uh, John. Yes, that. An excellent idea, food. By all means, see to it, Mrs. Newbury. I'm starved. Why, Vance? And ask Mr. Rhinelander to come in, please. Thank you very much, Mr. Vance. I'll have sandwiches and coffee brought in. Ed said you wanted to... Oh, friend, dear. It's all right, Tom. It's all right. Come in, Mr. Rhinelander. Come right in. Thank you. Now, this is going to be abrupt, I'm afraid, but quite to the point. You are in love with Mrs. Newbury. Very much, Mr. Markham. Are you shocked? Why, no. I'm the cad who loves another man's wife, I suppose. But Bert... Bert wasn't a man. Not to Francis. He... Uh, go right on talking, Mr. Rhinelander. I just want to... Oh! Silly way to make sandwiches, Mrs. Newbury. Crouched against the door. Come in. There isn't anything to say, is there? I was listening. If you ask me, I think there's a lot to say. Do you, Lane? What? You can ask questions all you want to, Vance. You know who did it, and so do I. You're forgetting motive, you know. Edward had that. Right, Vance? Oh, money's a good one, John. Always was. Motive my foot. This woman hated her husband. Yes, and she loves him. It's obvious. You've told them, Tom. Why not? If that isn't motive, what is? And as for the crime, her own fingerprints are on the knife in her husband's back. Well, there is something to that, Mrs. Newbury. I told you, my husband brought me the knife this afternoon. I was cutting flowers with it. That's just plain silly. There are dozens of garden shears in the tool house. Vance and I saw them. Why go way up to Edward's room, into his fishing box, and use that particular knife? I don't know, I tell you. Well, the boy could have brought it to her, you know. Oh, Heath, send him in, will you? Might as well have the whole group. Well, you made a nice try, Lane, but you slipped up on one detail. Frances couldn't have gotten the body into that exhibit case, not with her twisted ankle. Ankle? See this book on the table? Mm-hmm. Frances, catch! <gasps> See? A very neat catch, Mrs. Newberry. And you were pretty quick on your twisted foot, too. Lane, you've done it. Vance, she's remarkable. Well, Vance... Uh, where were you between 10 and 10.20, Francis? Oh, Vance. I was playing the organ. You said yourself, Mr. Vance, you heard me when you were walking back to your car. Did you, Vance? Yes, we we did. And you, Mr. Rhinelander, where were you? I was with Francis. I, I was here in this room listening to her play. I see. Oh, John... Yes, Vance. I'm supposed to come in By here. all means, Ed, uh, you're just in time for a concert. You remember what you played earlier this evening, Mrs. Newbury? Yes, I do. It's horrible music. Bertram wrote it years ago, and he made me play it over and over again. Some nights for hours. Uh, play it now, will you please? No? Why? Well, please, Mrs. Newbury. I'd be glad to. It has no name. It's... It just sounds like this. Quite sure this is the music you played tonight? I told you. Yes, well, that will do, thank you. Now, if you'll excuse me, I should like to offer a musical selection. Vance, you? Well, it's quite easy on this organ lane. You see, it's equipped for automatic player roles. Uh, here's one I picked up about the house this morning. What have you got? Uh, listen, Mrs. Newbury. There we are. Just snap this little switch and listen for yourself. Boy, Vance, it's the same music. Oh, sure, Lane. Of course, but I... Turn it off. Please, turn it off. Bertram wrote that music. He made me play it over and over. I hate it. I hate it! And you still say you played that piece? 
After that, Mrs. Newberry? I did, I swear I did. Bert insisted. I played it over and over to humor him. Better do better than that, Francis. I found the roll in your desk drawer upstairs. No, you're lying. But you... Now we're getting somewhere. Turned ankle. Uh, thanks. Will you, uh... Will uh you... Gladly, John. As the detective would say, I'll unravel the whole thing. Edward? Me? Now, listen here. I told you, motive every time. Uh, go on, Vance. Quickly, Edward. You said you listened to a radio program, something called... Uh, what did you say again? The tenor-voiced killer. Yeah. He's on every week. <laughs> Strenuous, to say the least. Who done it, Edward? What? Listen at the phrase. In tonight's program, who done it? Why, the butler. Stebbins, his name was. He, he, he poisoned the guy with a secret formula made out of ink. Yeah, good boy. And that takes care of you, Edward. Sit down. Just how did it take care of him, Vance? I called the studio, John. The butler did it all right. Edward was listening to that program, all 15 minutes of it. All right, so it's not Edward. Let's get back to these two. Right, Lane. You weren't playing that organ, you know, Francis. Matter of fact, you were in your room, packing. Mr. Vance? Just as you, Tom, were at your house doing the same thing. Your grips, incidentally, are still in the trunk of your car outside. I looked. I... Packing? For what? Oh, Reno, I should think. Wasn't that why you turned your ankle, Francis? You and Tom had planned to leave tonight for some time. Bert's little joke of attending the carnival almost ruined your plan. It's not true, I tell you. It's no use, Tom. He'll only find out. We might as well tell him the truth now. At last. You were planning to leave your husband tonight. Yes, I was. I, I did make that roll for the organ myself. I was going to put it on while Bert was listening upstairs and then leave with Tom. You made a roll for an organ, a complicated thing like that. It's not hard, John. If you know the keyboard, you can work out just which holes in the paper will make each note play. It takes patience, but it can be done. I had a great deal of patience. And courage, I'd say. Right, Vance? Go on, Lane. It's obvious. Bertram found out about their plan, and they killed him. That's good enough for me. But not for me, John. Frances didn't kill her husband. No, and neither did Rhinelander. You thought she did, though, didn't you, Tom? Otherwise, you wouldn't have lied to save her. You wouldn't have pretended you'd heard her play the organ at the time of Bert's death. Now, see here, Vance. If Edward didn't do it, now you say these two didn't do it. Yes, Vance, in case you've forgotten, the man is dead. Who killed him? My moment, eh, Lane? Well, suppose we all walk down to that wax museum, shall we? And I promise when we get there, I'll tell you who did the job. All right, Vance, it's all your show. Go ahead. Well, thank you, John. Now then, here's the original exhibit, as Lane and I saw it first this evening. Lippy the Knifer, that's that figure in wax against the wall there, was standing just where he is now. His victim, also a wax dummy, was on the floor, just as you see Bertram's body now. I can't look. I'm afraid you must, Mrs. Newbury. Really, Vance, we know all this. Someone simply took the wax victim out of the exhibit and put Bertram's body in its place. Right, Lane. Look at Bertram's body, John. Face down, knife in the back. I see that. Now, look at Lippy here against the wall. A body made of wax, but strong as steel. These dummies are steel, you know, with a wax coating. Oh, Lane. Yes? Uh, pull on Lippy's arm, will you? Uh, pull hard. It's firm, all right. And the dummy's tied to the wall. Uh, tied with your fish line, incidentally, Edward. What? Oh, this was carefully planned, Edward. By Very whom? carefully planned. By whom, then? In a moment, John. Now, we'll take the knife from Bertram's body, like this. Oh. It's all right, dearest. And place the knife in the dummy's hand, so. Notice, John. The handle pushes firmly against the hand with the blade pointing out. I, I see that. Now we roll up the dummy sleeve, pull down this rather intricate trigger spring. What the... Vance, what on earth is that? A spring lane. See? We set the knife against it, draw this fine piece of thread out here, like this. Follow me, John? But... Now... Oh, Edward. Yes? Uh, will you help me a moment, please? Sure. I want to lift Bertram's body into a standing position. That's it. 
Slowly, please. Yes, sir. Mr. Vance, is this necessary? I mean it. Uh, it's quite necessary, Tom. Observe, John. Bertram is now standing directly in front of the dummy, and the point of the knife is directly at his back, in the exact spot where it entered his body. Go on, then. Now we take the thread attached to the spring, place it in Bertram's hand, give it a slight pull so... Oh! And Bertram is stabbed in the back. You can put the body down now, Edward. Yes, sir. But, Vance, that spring, the thread, all that... Who did it? Who in the world... Well, Vance? No one, John. Bertram Newbury killed himself. What? What? He had time, Lane. We took the long way back here from the house, remember? And while we did, Bertram came down here alone, got into this exhibit, and committed suicide. The end of a plan he'd worked on a long, long time. But I... I, I... Bertram was ill. Ill in mind and body, I'd say. When he discovered, or guessed, that Francis was leaving him, he planned it that way. Got her fingerprints on the knife, and then used the spring mechanism and the dummy to plunge the knife into his own body. That way, Francis, he hoped you'd die for the crime. Good Lord. I was to be the accomplice. Exactly, Tom. But reason that the police would be sure Francis couldn't have carried him down here, especially with a turned ankle. You were to be accused of doing that for her. Vance. Well, Lane? What were the customers in this place doing while Bert was playing poke the circle with the dummies? Uh, see that curtain? It's used when they're changing the exhibits. Oh. Uh, pull it down if you like, Lane. With that cold bird in a bottle, it might not be bad at all. We'll return in just a moment to tell you about next week's adventure. But first... They say there's a manpower shortage. Huh. Hasn't affected me. The girls still give me the brush off like they always have. That's because you're not careful. Not careful? What do you mean? This sound should tell you. Say, have I got... In hot weather especially, use Life Boy in your daily bath. It stops B.O. Life Boy's protection is double protection. First, all over, head to toe protection. Second, protection that's lasting. Life Boy is the only soap that's especially made to stop B.O. So why take chances when it's so easy and pleasant to make sure that you're safe from offending? There's no better summertime habit than wonderfully refreshing Life Boy. Say, I'm heading for a Life Boy bath right now. Da, 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 dee, da, da, da. I'm singing in the bathtub, singing for joy, living the life of life, boy. Can't help singing, cause I know that life, boy, really stops me. Be popular. Use Life Boy. For tonight's program was adapted for radio by Bob Shaw from the characterization originally created by S.S. Van Dyne. Philo Vance is played by the brilliant young star of Broadway, Jose Ferrer. Lane Randall is played by Francis Robinson. And this is Don Hancock inviting you to be with us again next week at this same time when you'll hear... You know, Miss Randall, you do have green eyes. Lovely, clear green eyes. Get away from me. I like green eyes, you know. At night, sometimes I dream about them. Hundreds of them. Lovely, clear eyes, all green. No! Put down that knife! Green and cold and lovely. Lena! Lena! A mad killer, the amazing atomic bomb, 
and the strangest motive in the history of crime. You'll want to hear The Case of the Green Eye next week when Life Boy again presents The Adventures of Philo Vance. Every pound of used fats that's turned in means fewer American casualties because used fats go into vital munitions that help shorten the war. Used fats are essential to the manufacture of paints, fabrics, and soap, too. Ladies, everyone knows how tough it is to get meat. But the government has announced we will get 10% more of it this month. This is our chance to save more used kitchen fats. So keep on doing your part. Remember, American men in the Pacific are counting on you. For an easier wash day, get Rinso. You'll whistle while you wash because Rinso gives you a wash that's Rinso White. Rinso Bright. Yes, Rinso White, Rinso Bright. And tune in Rinso Show starring Dunninger, the master mentalist, every Friday night. Thrills, music, and plenty of excitement. See your local paper for time and station. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Too much, Steve. Fracture of the right arm and right ankle. I had more trouble with his wife and two partners. They wanted to ride along to the hospital in this ambulance. That's all I need. Passengers. Yeah. So what happened to the guy we got him back? Auto accident. He had his wife and two partners in the car and tried to wrap it around an elevated pillar. He's a funny guy. He fought against my giving him a hypodermic. I wonder why. No reason. No good reason, that is. He kept saying... No hypo. Please, doctor, I'll be murdered before I get to the hospital if you give me a hypo. That's nothing, though. Shock hysteria brought on by the accident, that's all. I wonder why a guy would think someone was going to kill him. He didn't know what he was saying. Kept mumbling about no hypo right up to the time we closed the doors in the back. Don't you remember? I remember him saying something, but I didn't pay any attention. Well, here we are. Yep. I'll have this back door open in a jiffy and our friend fixed up before he knows it. <laughs> He thought somebody was trying to murder him. E.W., doctor? Emergency ward, Steve, sure. What else could it be? Well, I'll hop in and grab the top part of the stretcher. Now, uh, stay right here and get ready to grab it, Steve. I'm ready. Shove it down. Oh, Steve. Steve. Yeah, Doc, what is it, Doc? We don't mark this case, E.W., for the emergency ward. He's got a knife stuck in his right side. He's D.O.A. What? Yeah. Dead on arrival. <laughs> Sergeant Heath, that's all I can tell you. I I could swear he was alive when we put him into that ambulance. Nobody could have got in when we were en route here, and yet that knife was sticking in him when I opened the door. That's what I like. A nice, simple murder. 
Why did I have to be a homicide detective? Hey, Chief, the district attorney just walked in. That's all I need. Okay, Doc, you can go. Stick around in case I need you. Yes, Sergeant, I'll be here. Hello, Heath. Hi, Mr. Markham. Well, we got another one. I know, I've got the whole story. Only it's not possible that a man with nothing more serious than a couple of fractures is alive when he's put into an ambulance and dead when the ambulance reaches its destination. Don't I know it isn't possible. Sure, we got suspects. We got the guy's wife and his two partners. But how can I tell who if I don't even know how? I think maybe this might be a case for Philo Vance. Oh, now, wait a minute, D.A. We don't need Vance snooping around here. That's what you said in the Bishop murder case and the Green murder and the Canary murder cases. But he was the one who solved them. Oh, he was lucky. Look, D.A., give us 24 hours. Then maybe I won't mind Vance. You won't mind Vance? I'm going to ask him to work on this case. Maybe he won't mind you. Hmm. What time is it, Miss Deering? Uh, one minute to five, Mr. Vance. Thank you, Miss Deering. Are you through the letters I dictated? They're on your desk, Mr. Vance. Will that be all? For the next 30 seconds. And then? And then, Miss Deering, it'll be five o'clock, and a coach and four drives up. I remember to call you Ellen, and you forget to call me Mr. Vance. <laughs> well, 30 seconds are up. I'm glad, Vance. Now we can be ourselves. Where are you taking me tonight? Well, to dinner, for one thing. I never starve my women. <laughs> no good private investigator would. It might lead to a private investigation. Hello, is anybody home? <laughs> oh, sounds like your friend the district attorney's in the outer office, man. Markham, we're in here. Hello there, you two. How are you? Hello, Markham. Well, Ellen, I see it's after five o'clock. Because I'm sitting on Vance's desk? I always sit here. Chairs are so uncomfortable, Markham. <laughs> and incidentally, how are you? Incidentally, I'm fine. Actually, not so good. Problems? A problem. Vance, will you help us on a case? Police are puzzled in mysterious murder? Now, look, Vance. A man named James Dalton was driving his car this afternoon when he had an accident. In the car were his wife and his two business partners, Ed Edwards and Bill Graves. Mm -hmm. Dalton was the only one injured, and an ambulance was called. That's easy. The butler did it. Go on, please, Markham. My secretary will be applying for unemployment insurance if she interrupts again. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ambulance doctor says Dalton was alive when he gave him a hypodermic and put him in the ambulance but he was dead with a knife in his side when the ambulance arrived. I don't suppose it could have been suicide or anybody hiding in the ambulance. You know better than that or I wouldn't be here, Vance. No, suicide is out because the man's right arm was fractured and the knife was in his right side. Mm. There were no fingerprints. That's all I can tell you because that's all I know. You said this Jim Dalton's two partners were with him. Partners in what? A costume jewelry firm, the Eagle Manufacturing Company. What do you think, Vance? Sounds intriguing, doesn't it? What about your police? How does Sergeant Heath feel about your coming to me? Or doesn't he know? What he means is, can he expect the usual non-cooperation from the sergeant? Miss Deering, haven't you a letter to type or something? The name is Ellen and the answer is no. Uh, filing, perhaps, Miss Deering? Oh, ganging up on me, eh? <laughs> Vance? Yes? If the doctor gave Dalton a hypodermic just before he placed the poor fellow in the ambulance, and then the ambulance doors were closed, how could the man have been murdered? Well, it certainly sounds intriguing, Markham. And you might be interested to know I'm working on this case as of this minute. Oh, he doesn't fool me. He's taking this case because he knows already who killed Dalton. On the contrary, Ellen. I'm taking the case because I haven't even the slightest idea of how it was done. Uh, uh, uh. 
Mr. Edwards and Mr. Philo Vance would like to see you. Yes, sir, right away. You may go in. That door there. Thank you. Mr. Vance? Yes, Mr. Edwards, I suppose. Mm-hmm. How do you do? How do you do? And, uh... How can I help you, Mr. Vance? Mr. Edwards, you're one of the partners of the Eagle Manufacturing Company. That's right. I'm investigating the murder of your partner, Jim Dalton. Well, what do you want of me? Just some information, that's all. I'm trying to figure out how he was killed. I've told all I know to the police, and all I know is nothing. I told the cops I had no idea who could have killed him, and I don't. The police inquired about partnership insurance. Sure, sure, and we had it. A lot of it. But Jim had life insurance, too, and, uh... Mrs. Dalton gets that. And I, uh... I didn't tell this to the police, but the Daltons haven't been getting on for years. Well, it seems I'm getting somewhere. I hope you are. Do you mind telling me just where you're getting? Not at all. I'm getting myself out of your office and over to see Mrs. James Dalton. Why don't you stop bothering me? Why? Haven't I had enough with the police all afternoon? Mrs. Dalton, I'm not here to bother you or anybody. I only want to do what I can to find out how your husband was killed and to see that his murderer doesn't go unpunished. You say the police don't know how the murder was committed. Well, neither do I. Ed and Bill and I saw poor Jim last, but it couldn't be either of them. They they both loved Jim almost as much as I did. According to them, maybe that wasn't so much. What? Well, Mr. Edwards seemed to think there might have been trouble between you and your husband. He told you that? All right, there was. Now I'll tell you something. They both wanted to get Jim out of the firm. They needed his money to get them started a year ago, but they're doing well now and didn't need him at all. And they hated him. Both of them did. Why didn't you mention this before, Mrs. Dalton? Because I didn't believe that... I didn't know what to believe. All I wanted was to be let alone. You haven't been very helpful, Mrs. Dalton. I believe the murder was the result of coincidence. How it was done, I don't know. But somebody wanted to murder your husband and saw his chance after the accident. But how could he have been murdered inside an ambulance? I don't know. I wish I did. Do you drive a car, Mr. Vance? What? A car. Do you drive one? Why, yes. What about it? Nothing. Or something. Depending on how clever you are. I drive. I'm a very good driver. I'm good at a lot of things. Does what I've just said mean anything to you? Frankly, no. I think you're trying to tell me something, but I don't get it. I know only one thing, Mrs. Dalton. Somewhere along the line, your husband's murderer made a mistake. All murderers do. And my job is to find out what that mistake was. Steve, always drive this fast, Doctor. Well, ambulances are made for speed, Mr. Vamp. You're not nervous, are you? Nervous? No. Anxious. Anxious to get some information and then get out of here before we have an accident and need an ambulance. (laughs) Well, you grabbed me just as we got this emergency call, Mr. Vance. It was your idea to come along, you know. I know. The least I should get out of this Mercy Messenger, which rides more like a roller coaster, is some information. Well, I don't know a thing, Vance. Nobody seems to know anything on this case. Doctor, you're interning at the hospital, aren't you? Yes, part of my training before I go out to practice. You don't make much money, do you? That's a pretty stupid question. Of course I don't. And look, Vance, you're wasting your time with me. All right, you don't know how this murder was done. Well, neither do I. 
Nobody knows except the murderer, and you've got three pretty good suspects, if you ask me. I wasn't aware that I had asked you, but go ahead. Well, there's those two partners, Edwards and Graves. All you have to do is take a look at either one of them, and you'll know he'd think nothing of shoving a knife into somebody. And they're both smart enough to have figured out a trick way, too. Agreed. Then take Mrs. Dalton. I watched her when she came down there to the hospital. She's a manic depressive if I ever saw one, or has all the symptoms, anyhow. Psychopathic? Definitely. Intervals of exultation and depression, clever mind, superiority complex, changes from one subject to another without reason. And maybe you don't know this, but manics are potential murderers. That's very interesting, Doctor. Thank you very much. But getting back to your not making a lot of money and that question I asked you, which you thought was stupid. Yes? Maybe it isn't so stupid, Doctor. Jim Dalton's death meant a lot of money to several people. One of them might have been willing to spend a little of it on you to make sure Dalton died. Wait a minute. Hello, Bill. Surprised to see your partner after business hours? Yeah, Ed. Kind of. Come in. Thanks. I came by to congratulate you, Bill. It was a nice, clean job you did on our ex-partner. I don't know how you did it. Frankly, I don't care. You think I killed him? I know you did. Couldn't very well talk about this at the shop, what with cops and that Vance guy hanging around, but I can now. So, congratulations and thanks. I could say the same thing to you and mean it more, Ed. I know you killed Jim. <laughs> That's all right, kid. I don't blame you for not admitting it to me. We don't like each other and we never did, but... Uh, I still say you did a good job. Look, I don't have to stand for you accusing me of murder. No, no, that's true. You don't. Uh, suppose we sit down and you tell me how you did it. You get out of here. And if I don't, what'll you do? Murder me, too? Well, you dirty... I'll fix you. Keep your hands off me. There. Get them off! I'll take care of you later. Edwards? Who's there? Anybody mind if I come in? Who are you? Oh, uh... Hello, Mr. Vance, uh... Bill and I were just talking. You uh, know my partner, Bill Graves, Carlo Vance. How do you do? Hi. You mentioned, Edwards, that you and Graves here were just talking. I'm sorry, but I couldn't help overhearing, even a block away. Having trouble, boys? Nothing we need you to fix. I only dropped in to talk to you a minute, Mr. Graves. You see, gentlemen, I expect to have a solution of the Dalton murder by morning. Is it just barely possible that one of you won't sleep so well tonight? This is District Attorney Markham. The Eagle murder case is proving one of the most baffling crimes in our records. Even Philo Vance, whom I asked to take the case last evening, has been able only to corroborate what we already know. That James Dalton was injured in an auto smash-up that his wife and two business partners were in the car but were unhurt, that an ambulance doctor administered a hypodermic against Dalton's wishes, that he was alive when placed in the ambulance and dead with a knife in his side when it reached the hospital. Vance told me he was going to spend last night reading up on the case, but I haven't any idea what he meant. No, Miss Deering, I haven't seen Mr. Vance this morning yet. He must have overslept. Fine boss. Expects his secretary to open the office for him. What will bosses think of next? Your floor, Miss Deering. Thanks, Johnny. When Mr. Vance arrives, kindly tell him to go home and not to come back without a note from his mother saying why he was late. <laughs> I sure will. <laughs> 
must be getting forgetful. Wow! What hit this place a cyclone? And fast asleep in my chair. Mr. Vance. Vance? Darling. Uh, oh, oh, hello, Ellen. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Vance. <sighs> I trust you slept well in my chair all night. What happened here? It looks like a literary version of a pillow fight. Who's been throwing books around? I have. That is, I haven't been throwing them around. I've been reading them. All night? Practically. Very interesting books. Psychiatric studies. Psychiatric? Mental cases, Miss Deering. Uh, preparing an autobiography, Vance. Mr. Vance? It's after nine o'clock, remember. And the answer to your question is no. I've been doing some very interesting, if as yet unproductive, research. Take a letter, Miss Deering. I will if you'll let me borrow my chair and desk. Sorry. Here you are. Sit down. Thank you. And now, Mr. Vance? Letter to F.X. Markham, District Attorney. Usual heading, dear so-and-so. Dear District or dear Attorney? Dear Frank, here are the facts I've uncovered in the Dalton murder. Got it. Go ahead. I wish I could. I haven't even a theory. Well, that's just as well, because I can't take theories in shorthand. Let's see. The ambulance doctor could have killed Dalton. Edwards might have, Graves might have, and Mrs. Dalton might have. But how, how, how? You're in a rut, Mr. Vance. I'm in a dilemma, Miss Deering. All four had possible motives. But none of them had any opportunity to stab Dalton inside that ambulance. Not even the ambulance doctor. He wouldn't have had time enough. Apparently, it was impossible for anyone to stab Dalton after he was put in the ambulance, so... Ellen! Miss Deering, please. Ellen, I've got it. What? Dalton wasn't stabbed after he was put in the ambulance. He was stabbed before. Before? Ellen, get this picture. Dalton is on a stretcher. Yes. He's just had a hypodermic. He's just about to pass out. His two partners are on one side of the stretcher, his wife on the other. Just as Dalton is lapsing into a coma, one of them sticks the knife in him. Vance, it could have happened that way. Listen, it could have been done without anyone seeing it, too. Ellen, that's it. Well, maybe, but it only eliminates the ambulance doctor, that's all. That's right. Now, let's see. Let's take the partners. Edwards and Graves have violent tempers. Mm. They were almost at each other's throats when I saw them yesterday. Mrs. Dalton, unless the ambulance doctor and I are very much mistaken, is a manic depressive. A who what if? Manic depressive. Oh. A form of psychopathic instability. She's got some of the symptoms, jumps from one subject to another for no reason, overdeveloped sense of superiority, morbid, depressed. That's what I was reading up on last night. And are manic, uh, whatever they are, murderers? They could be, according to what I've read about them. They can be switched away from murder, though, to another thought in a second. Maybe Mrs. Dalton forgot to throw the switch. Maybe. But it might not have been Mrs. Dalton at all. Dalton was stabbed in the right side. We know now he was stabbed just before he was put into the ambulance. Whoever was on the right side of the stretcher did the stabbing. Vance, you're wonderful. I'll never commit a murder while you're alive. Thanks. You may now tear up your notes, Miss Deering, and get Mr. Markham on the telephone. Ask him to please have everybody concerned in the same place on the same corner where the accident happened yesterday. Sure, Mr. Vance. This is just the way it was. The ambulance was parked right there where it is now. Only there was a crowd around. Uh, the doc and the driver had the stretcher in their hands just the way they have now. Thanks, officer. Look, Vance, you know this is a lot of nonsense, don't you? Maybe you're going to wish it was, Mr. Edwards. Maybe you're going to wish you hadn't started any of this, Vance. Somebody's going to wish that. But it won't be me, Mr. Graves. Mrs. Dalton? I'm here, Mr. Vance. Now listen, all three of you. I want you to take the positions alongside the stretcher that you were in yesterday. 
Now, please. Doctor. Doctor. Oh, yes, Mr. Bass. I'm here. You were carrying the back end of the stretcher, just as you're doing now? Exactly, sir. Okay. Now, Mrs. Dalton. Yes? And you, Graves and Edwards. Yeah? Is that the position you were in yesterday while the stretcher was being carried to the ambulance? Mrs. Dalton on the right side and the men on the left? Yeah, yeah that's, I right. Believe that's right. You'll remember Mr. Dalton was stabbed in the right side. Did you get that? The right side. Wait, wait. I wasn't on the right side at all. I was on the other side of the stretcher. I walked alongside the stretcher on the other side right. where Edwards and Graves are now. Uh, that dame's crazy, Vance. We were on the left side, Bill and I, weren't we, Bill? Don't sure listen we to them. They're trying to make it look like I killed my husband. I was on his left side, I swear it. Doctor, please, you must remember. You must believe me. I swear to you, I was standing on the left side of the stretcher. What about it, Doctor? I... I think she's right, Vance. <laughs> yes, I'm sure of it. When we were putting Dalton into the ambulance, Steve had the head part of the stretcher, and I had the foot part, and... Yes, I remember Mrs. Dalton on my left. You're sure you were there on the left side, Mrs. Dalton? I'm positive. Edwards and Graves were on the right side. And that proves they murdered my husband. On the contrary, Mrs. Dalton. It proves that you did. She you know what, Mr. Vance? So, so you figured that out, did you, Mr. Vance? All right, nobody move. Nobody, I said. Well, that gun of yours might go off. I'd be careful if I were you, Mrs. Dalton. I'd be more careful if I were you, Mr. Vance. Or any of you. Turn around. What? All of you, turn around, I said. That's better. I'm getting away from here, and I'll shoot the first one that turns his head. Remember, I'll shoot the first one that moves. What'll we do, Mr. Vance? You can make your own plans, officer. Personally, I'm not moving. Hello, Vance speaking. Vance, this is Markham. Just wanted to tell you that we haven't been able to pick up Mrs. Dalton yet. You will. She can't get very far. But aren't you worried? Don't you think she'll try to kill you? After all, you spoiled her perfect murder. She won't come up here, Markham. Her first job is to keep out of the way of the police. She won't waste time looking for revenge. Good night, Markham. Good night. I'll let you know if anything happens. So I won't waste time looking for revenge, Mr. Vance. I don't consider it a waste of time. I don't know a better way to spend the next few minutes than to use it killing you. Hello, Mrs. Dalton. Pretty gun you have there. You don't fool me any with that unconcerned way of talking. I'm going to kill you, and you know it. You know, of course, that people who are going to commit murder don't generally talk to their victims. They just shoot. I don't care about people, generally. I'm an individual. Smart enough to have committed murder and gotten away with it if it hadn't been for you. And smart enough to have slipped in here, kill you, and still get away. It wouldn't do any good for me to say I don't think so? Not a bit. I didn't think so, but it was worth a try. Your hands are shaking, Mrs. Dalton. They're as steady as a rock and you know it. I have complete control over my nerves. Manic depressive. Exactly what I thought. Overdeveloped sense of superiority. Manic depressive? Certainly. All the symptoms. You're insane, you know. What? Oh, it's true. Manic depressive. Singleness of thought on one subject. Can't get it out of her mind. Acute concentration. You mean if I came here to kill you, I couldn't change my mind? You couldn't even talk about anything else. Fashions, for instance. What about fashions? That dress you're wearing. It's an original. I designed it. You know, at first I wanted it to have pleats down the right side. See? I can talk about something else. I'm not insane. I'm not, I tell you. I hear you, Mrs. Dalton. This dress is my favorite. I designed it first with pleats on the side... I'll show you how it would look with them, but you won't like it. I I'd planned them down here. 
I won't need this gun. And you can see for yourself that it throws the lines of the dress off. There. Admit it. The pleats wouldn't be right, would they? Your gun's on the floor, Mrs. Dalton. Of course it is. I threw it there. Those pleats, Vans, they wouldn't be right, would they? They... They wouldn't really be right, would they? Mr. Vance, those pleats wouldn't be right, would they? Answer me. In a second, Mrs. Dalton, as soon as I pick up your gun. There. Now about the pleats. I'll tell you what I think about them on the way downtown. You won't answer me. You tricked me. I came up here to kill you and you tricked me. But it doesn't matter. You can take me to the police, but I'll find a way of getting out of jail. I'm clever. Believe me, I can do it. Can you? Well, the sooner we get you into jail, the sooner you can try. Shall we go, Mrs. Dalton? It's still a few minutes to nine, Van, so before we get down to business, will you clean up a point or two for me? About the Dalton murder, Ellen? Mm -hmm. Well, if I can before nine o'clock, I will. Let's hurry, then. When Mrs. Dalton came up to your apartment to murder you last night... What made her change her mind? The characteristics of a manic depressive, Ellen. They can be led easily from one subject to another. I told her that she was a manic, but I lied a little. I said manics couldn't ever change their minds. Oh, so to prove to herself and you that she wasn't crazy, she did exactly what you wanted her to do. Forgot about murder to talk about something else, not knowing she was proving your point. Not to mention saving my life. Anything else, young lady? Oh, it's nearing nine, I can tell by your voice. One other question, Vance. Let's go back to the murder scene. Now, you told me that whoever stabbed Dalton had to be on his right side. Yet, Mrs. Dalton was on the left side of the stretcher. That's correct, Ellen. Now, look. This desk is a stretcher. Yes. I'm lying on it. Uh-huh. Now, where's my right side? On the right side of the desk. That proves that Mrs. Dalton didn't do it. On the contrary. You see, poor Jim Dalton wasn't lying on the stretcher the way I'm lying on the desk. His head was at the top of the stretcher where my feet are. I'll show you what I mean. I'll reverse my position. There. Oh, golly, uh, when when he was on the stretcher lying like you are now, his right side was on the left side of the stretcher. Certainly. Mrs. Dalton saw what I was getting at, knew I had her cornered, pulled a gun, and got away, temporarily. Darling, you're wonderful. I don't think so, but then, what's my opinion against so many other people's? <laughs> Take a letter, Ellen, darling. Uh-uh, you mean Miss Deering. It's after nine o'clock. So it is. Take a letter, Miss Deering. Yes, Mr. Vance. Dear Ellen, mm. this winds up the Eagle murder case.
Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.